Welcome to the Good Question with Jessica Tanderup podcast. I'm Jessica, and I have a passion for asking hard questions and going deep in conversation. Usually these discussions happen over dinner or coffee with a close friend, but on this podcast, I bring them to you because I want you to know if you have questions, you're not alone. On this show, I invite apostolic leaders, thinkers, and fellow believers to tackle the tough topics questioners face as we strive to live out our biblical mandate to love God, love our neighbors, and take the gospel to the whole world here in the 21st century. I hope you'll join us because when you know Jesus is the answer, every question can be a good question. Welcome friends to episode five of the Good Question with Jessica Tanderup podcast. I hope you're having a great week. As a quick reminder, you can stay up to date with the happenings on this show by following us on social media. We are on Instagram at Good Question Show, and you can also find our Facebook page by searching Good Question with Jessica Tandera. Our social media accounts are where I share some of my extra thoughts on the week's episode, usually up in the stories feature. We also give you some great quotes and some graphics that you can share on your own accounts to help us spread the word about the show. On Fridays, I've been doing my Friday favorites, some of the posts, other accounts, podcast episodes, music, even some memes that I've enjoyed during the week. So if you aren't following us, I hope you'll come and find us. Our show today is with Caitlin B. Wilson. Caitlin is a nationally certified American Sign Language interpreter. She holds a master's in education from the University of North Florida and currently works as an adjunct professor in the American Sign Language Interpreting Program at U of A Little Rock, which incidentally is where she and I met. Caitlin is a college friend and colleague of mine. We've remained friends over many years and she's just one of those people I can call or meet up with after months or even years have gone by and we just pick right up where we left off. I am so grateful to Caitlin for coming on the show today to talk about a very personal topic, the unexpected loss of her mother, Kathleen Wilson, in March of 2016. To give you a little heads up, our conversation today is heavy at times, a bit of a departure from the other episodes we've brought you so far. Caitlin is open and honest about the fear, doubts, and even the trauma she experienced by being one of the first people present after her mom's passing. So if you're not mentally or emotionally in the place where you can handle some frank and raw discussion of loss and grief today, I completely understand. Go ahead and skip this one or hold on to it for another day. I know the past year has brought loss and grief to many of us, myself included. And while that might mean some of you need to wait to listen to this episode for a while, at the same time, I felt that Caitlin's story and the extremely hard-earned wisdom she has to share were so timely. Whether you're walking through loss yourself or feeling helpless in the face of a loved one's grief, I know there's something for you in my conversation today with my friend, Caitlin B. Wilson. My guest today is my friend, Caitlin Wilson. Caitlin, welcome to the podcast. I'm so happy to be here. Caitlin and I met in college and we have stayed in touch over the years since, and I'm really excited to talk to her today. Even though the topic that we're going to be covering is a little bit heavier and uh, definitely more personal, I know that it's going to really, really bless people and give people a lot of things to think about. So, Caitlin, if you don't mind, go ahead and introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about who you are and where you're from. Well, I'm Caitlin, obviously, and I grew up in Louisiana, but 15 years ago, I moved to Arkansas, where I met Jessica in college. Currently, I'm back in school working on my doctorate, so that's what's really taking up more of my time these days. I guess the thing that I really enjoy doing is spending time with my nieces. We Mm -hmm. do a lot of FaceTiming or talking on Marco Polo. And how old are your nieces? Um, Seven and four. Oh, that's so fun. Yeah, they're fun. Well, the reason that um, we're talking today is for you to share a little bit about your experience of loss and grief. 
which like I mentioned is a little bit of a heavier personal topic. I guess there's not really any easy way to ease into that. We'll just jump right in <laughs> if you don't mind to tell us a little bit about about your mom. I guess it was it was in January before she passed away. Her brother passed and there was a little bit of confusion on the phone whenever my mom was informing us about the loss and we all had that sudden slight oh no someone in our immediate family has passed away something's really wrong so as a family we sat down and talked about how we wanted to be notified if one of our immediate family members passed away that way if we were being called and someone was upset we would know that it wasn't a brother sister or a parent mm. Unfortunately, it was only about two and a half months later when she passed away, and it was really sudden. The night before, we were we had we were able to have dinner together, and she went to bed laughing. Like we we didn't even know anything was wrong with her. She didn't know anything was wrong, as far as we know. And then early the next morning, I got a knock on my door, and my dad was saying that she was unresponsive, and. He asked me to go check her pulse and call 911. And I was freaking out, <laughs> to yeah. say the least. And so the whole process of calling 911 was just unexpected, I guess. Like, yeah, that's not something we do every day, right? <laughs> right. And like, I had already felt for a pulse and knew there wasn't one. Mm. And just like, there were signs uh, that there hadn't been life for several hours that I felt. But mm -hmm. the operator urged me to try to do CPR. And at that point, I was in the room by myself mm -hmm. trying to take care of this and trying to just like trying to get her off the bed and try to roll her over. Like that part, that's part of the experience that some, sometimes to this day, I don't like to go in that bedroom because it still feels kind of traumatizing. Yeah, for sure. But ultimately, you know, just being the first person saying she's gone, there's nothing we can do, that really just kind of added to the trauma. And through that, I really, one of the things that I struggled with for a long time was that I didn't have faith enough to pray for her. Mm -hmm. So I would really battled over that. Like, if I would have prayed for her, maybe she would still be here or you know, but I had a lack of faith or I relied on my flesh and humanity instead of relying on God. And that was something that really tormented me for a long time, even though my head knew that she had been gone for several hours and my heart really didn't catch up with my head very quickly. No. And I think that the enemy uses those things to just mess with us. <laughs> definitely. Definitely. And I really struggled for a long time with why, why didn't I get a chance? Mm. Yeah. So, I mean, that was the initial experience, you know, just calling my family in. I called one of my friends and I couldn't get in touch with them. It was like six o'clock in the morning. I couldn't get in touch with people and finally got in touch with one of my friends and she said, what can I do for you? And I was like, well, we have a, we had a group of girls that hung out not all the time, but pretty regularly. And I was like, just call the girls and tell them, because I don't want to repeat this over and over again. Mm, yeah. And thankfully, she took care of that for me. But um, I mean, that was the initial experience of the loss that day. And just, you know, trying to figure out what, like, is this real? Or, yeah. you know, it really didn't, didn't feel real. Because like I said, I mean, the last thing that I remember of my mother living was laughing while she went to bed. Mm. And then it was probably just a few hours later that she was gone. So it was very unexpected. Wow. Yeah, that would be very unexpected and a, a rough way to wake up in the morning. And I'm, I, I'm just so sorry that you've had to deal with that. That's such a hard, hard thing. So in the aftermath, you guys put your, your family plan into place and your brothers were both out of state. Is that right? And you had someone yes. go notify them in person. They were out of state. And my older brother, I called his pastor and let him know. And he was out of town. And in my frantic state, I was like, 
well, you're going to have to send your wife. <laughs> <laughs> and poor thing, like, she did get up and go. And I, I really feel bad about that now because he was only about an hour away from home. Oh, no. So it really could have waited probably, but <laughs> I didn't want to wait. <laughs> um, my younger brother, his phone was turned off. And so we had a harder time getting in touch with him. We weren't able to really figure out where he was for a second. But come to find out, he um, had been playing a game or something and just decided to stay at his friend's house. So um, we ended up actually having to tell him over the phone. Well, that kind of leads us into things that are and aren't helpful. I've heard this with regards to tragic news and also with regards to like happy news, like engagements or baby announcements or birth announcements. In the in the era of social media, a lot of us just don't know what is appropriate as far as our role in a situation for passing that news on. And so can you just talk about that a little bit more about how it feels as the person in the midst of a tragedy if if that information is not handled with respect and care? I guess it was the year before my mom passed away. Our church lost our bishop's wife. And there were people who did find out, people in our, there were people in other states who knew about the loss before word got around to everyone in the church. And we were fine, not me, but other people did find out about that loss on social media, which was really unfortunate. So I guess it was, she passed away on March the 31st, 2016. And we didn't say anything until the next day. My older brother, Jonathan, said that he wanted to go ahead and put something on social media because he wanted to make sure that people weren't fabricating stories about what happened. Mm. So he posted on social media, explained kind of the situation, and unfortunately, that that was on April 1st, so people thought it was an April Fool's joke. But then after that, people did start posting things, but most of it was just sharing what he said. And even I just went in and shared what he said. So we didn't really have that problem too much, but I have seen that and it really is unfortunate. I would say, wait till the family says something online. And I think that's how it should be with anything, birth announcements, engagements, all of that. I think you should wait for the person that it's affecting the most to say something on social media before you do. Yep. I agree. I agree. So that's the notification of everyone, but then immediately you have the aftermath of you're launched into grief. And at the same time, you know, when there's a death in the family, there's all kinds of plans that have to be made. And I think, I think we're all familiar with this. I mean, in this past year, I would be shocked if there's anyone that listens to this who hasn't been touched in some way by loss. Just the statistics of the numbers of the the people that have passed away in the United States in the last year. So we're all familiar with what with what in you know it, it comes after a tragic announcement. Can you talk about some things that people did to support and help you and your family through that that were that were helpful? Yes. So being that we were here in Arkansas. I kind of felt bad for my brother who attends church in Mississippi because his church family couldn't all be here. But I called my pastor's wife and the first thing she said was, do you want me to come over? And I said, Mm -hmm. no, I, the adrenaline, I just really needed to get freshened up. And because I was just had a really Mm -hmm. bad adrenaline rush, I guess. But I went ahead and I, took a shower and when I got out of the shower my pastor's wife was here and she was like I didn't know if because if you were saying no like you really wanted me here but didn't want to impose on me or if you really didn't want me here so I went ahead and just came and then the friend that I called to come so she made calls to all of my friends a few of my friends they were on their way to work turned around Mm -hmm. and came straight to my house they called into work for that day And when they got here, I was overwhelmed because I really didn't, like, I knew I had friends, but I didn't know that I had friends that would drop Mm -hmm. what they were doing to support me. And they came, there were probably five or six of them. And my bishop and his wife were here and my pastor's wife was here. And they started asking the 
this show's wife who had lost her previous her first husband tragically um, what what should we do and she was like the only thing I can think to do is just start cleaning her house and they did I don't like people to think that I'm needy and I don't like people to feel sorry for me and so that was really hard but they cleaned my house and Bishop ordered food <laughs> and like there was so that kind of overwhelmed me because our family we don't really let food <laughs> go to waste so if we don't eat it before it goes bad we put it in the freezer mm-hmm. and we'll eat it another day and so there was just so much and so I talked to one of my friends her name was Haley because she's the one that I called the first person that I called and um, I asked her I said I can't think about stuff right now will you like if someone asked me do I need anything mm-hmm. I don't know what I need like I really don't know what I need <laughs> and so she ended up being my point of contact. So if people asked me, is there anything you need? I would say, mm. ask Haley. She'll tell you what needs to be done. And that really helped with not, we ended up not having too much food. Because that's what, you know, in the South, <laughs> I don't know what it is in other states and up North. But in the right. South, that's what you do. You cook for people. And yeah. for me, that was overwhelming. And so we never really had to worry about that. But people were kind of in and out a lot that day in the next several days until the the actual memorial service and stuff. So people brought things that I didn't even think of. Like one friend brought a mat for the floor because I think it had been raining and I didn't have a mat at mm. my carport door. And so she went and bought a mat for people to wipe their feet on so they didn't mm. mess the house up. A lot of times it's really good to be specific in your questions instead of saying is there anything that I can do for you say is there anything that you don't have Mm -hmm. in your house that you need right now and give examples do you need toilet paper do you need I know that you're going to be going to the funeral yeah Yeah, just looking for specific needs and being willing to fill them yeah generalizing a question is harder to answer because at that moment I don't know what I need and I didn't know what I needed, but my friend Haley did. And I also actually, because I have two different worlds, I have my church world and I have my work world. I had one of my colleagues, Jamie, was actually my point of mm-hmm. contact through work. If colleagues asked what I needed, I would mm-hmm. refer them to Jamie. And I actually, my, my dad actually was in the hospital with COVID for a long time recently. And I felt like that worked so well for me that mm-hmm. I did that again with him. Yeah, that sounds like, it sounds like good people. Yeah, I mean, and really, like I said, I had no idea that I had friends like that. I knew that I had friends, but I didn't know that people mm. really cared that much. Wow. So were, were there other things that, that maybe weren't as helpful <laughs> in that immediate aftermath? Things that you would caution people, like, you, your heart's in the right place, but maybe you shouldn't go about it this way? Asking too many questions. <laughs> uh, you know, in... And are like just bombarding, are feeling like you need a response. So I would feel like if someone sent me a text of condolences that I had to respond. And at one point I gave my phone to one of my friends and mm-hmm. said, here, you respond for me. You know, I feel th- I feel grateful. Please yeah. respond. I'm grateful. <laughs> I think one of the things that I can only speak for myself was people compared mm-hmm. my grief to other members of my family, specifically my dad. they My, my dad did not compare. Other people mm-hmm. compared mine and my dad's grief. So I would get a lot of, I know this is hard for you, but imagine losing your spouse. Well, I can't mm-hmm. imagine. I'm not married, mm-hmm. so I can't even imagine that. And I'm over here thinking, well, he can get remarried. Mm-hmm. I can never have another mom. And some things I think are just, if you're comparing losing a spouse to losing a parent, mm-hmm. that's apples and oranges. You can't, it cannot be compared. They are both equally deep hurt. And you cannot, even like my brother who is married and has children, I can't compare my grief with his grief because he, like um, the weekend before mom passed away, they, he and my sister-in-law announced that they were Mm -hmm. expecting their second child. Well, so he's dealing with that kind of grief that this child that my mom knew was coming Mm -hmm. she'll never get to meet and that my niece will never meet her 
I can't understand that right. on that right. level right now. So I can't compare my grief to his, and he can't understand my grief of my mom not being there for the other major moments of my life. And so that was probably the most hurtful thing was people comparing and me having to just stand there and take it because I couldn't really be defensive. Um, I mean, I guess I could have, but I also wanted to keep my (laughs) reputation in check. (laughs) And then another thing that's not helpful that really bothers me and really about any situation are what I call Mm -hmm. at least statements. So at least you got to spend a happy night the night with your mom the night before she passed away. Well, I don't care. I mean, like I'm thankful for it, but I would rather her be here. People would also say things like she's in a better place, which I mean, I know that I'm grateful for that, that I'll get to see her again. I think people say things like that and maybe I'm, um, overly optimistic. (laughs) But I think that a lot of times people are trying their best to be helpful and say something that's comforting. Um, But unless you're in that position, you don't hear it the same way until you're there. And you realize how these comments that you're intending to be helpful are actually very hurtful. And sometimes the best thing to say is just, I'm so sorry for your loss. And I'm praying for you. And this is terrible, and I wish this hadn't happened to you. Right. And a lot of times, especially in Christianity, you're not comfortable admitting Mm -hmm. that you're not okay. Because you're supposed to trust God, and you're supposed to be grateful that you'll see them again one day. And you are grateful. You feel like you have to mask what your feelings are in the moment, or some are ongoing feelings, I'm sure. So, I mean, the best, better question is, how are you doing right now? So, I did get that a lot from my friends. They didn't bombard me. I, I'm, I'm convinced, I can't prove it, but I'm, I'm convinced that they had a schedule of who was supposed <laughs> to contact me what day. Because they didn't all text me every day. And they usually ask the question, mm-hmm. how are you right now? How, how did you do this morning? And with those kinds of questions, again, being more specific, I felt like I could be honest and say, okay, right now I'm okay. Yeah. Yeah. This morning I wasn't. Right now I'm not okay. This morning I was. So in really talking about it that way, I think is good for people because I had no idea what to expect in grief. I mean, I had experienced grief when I, when I lost my grandmother, I grieved her severely but this was different (laughs) and whenever I lost her my grandmother I didn't talk about it to anyone I didn't really have the opportunity but with this I did and I feel like a lot of times as Christians just rely on the scripture of the comforter and the peace that passes understanding and when you're in the middle of turmoil I can't say that I always felt that, and then mm-hmm. I would feel guilty for not. Yeah, I guess the main things were like, like those at least statements mm-hmm. and not comparing people's grief. I'm think saying something like, I'm glad you were able to have such a happy night with your mom, but then recognizing the loss. Mm-hmm. It's okay to mm-hmm. recognize the loss. I'm sorry that mm-hmm. she's not here with us now. You know, instead of at least, like, well, to me, when you say at least, you're saying, well, you should right. just be grateful for what you had. And then that not recognizing that someone is gone and it has to be recognized. I think we are so uncomfortable with loss and grief that when we're on the outside of it, we just want to rush people through it because it's making us uncomfortable. (laughs) We don't know what to say. We don't know what to do. And so we just want to, we just want to help you rush through it. And I mean, what I hear you saying is that's actually not helpful. Like sit here with me and be uncomfortable and sad with me for a while. I mean, Ecclesiastes tells us that there's a time to mourn. We can't rush through and say that we're just going to jump straight to the, you know, the time for joy. Like we have to, we have to go through the time for mourning too. Right. Whenever I went back to work, I asked my manager to send an email to the, my coworkers and just say, just treat her like normal. And because Mm -hmm. I needed normality. I needed to feel like something was normal. And so 
he did. He sent a message and people just talked to me and treated me like normal. And that's not to ignore what happened, but to start helping right. you move on. And, you know, and I don't want to sound ungrateful that people would say things that were hurtful and not intending to. I understand that they didn't intend to say things like that. What people want to know when they're in grief is that you're there, that you care, mm-hmm. and that you're praying for them. So I'm here for you. And even if you can't be there, really be there, I'm praying for you today. I said a prayer for you today. I'm thinking of you today. Because there is a fear once you get past the funeral and the burial mm-hmm. that people are just going to forget. And so just hearing, hey, I'm thinking about you today. Okay, well, then I'm not alone anymore right. because you said that. You know, and people a lot of times look for something profound to say when really it's the simple things yeah. that are the most helpful. Yeah, we make it too hard. We do. <laughs> so we're we're several years out from from this loss now. And like you said, it's easy for those of us who aren't living in it to get past that, you know, first few days, the funeral service, the burial, and then to kind of just go on with our lives. And like you said, kind of forget, are there any things that people have done over the years that have been really supportive to help you, to help you feel less alone? Or have there been any ways that you've chosen to honor your mother in the intervening years? So I guess this kind of goes back to the previous question too. I guess, like, so after the funeral and then for a few months after, my friends recognized that I was probably scared that people mm-hmm. were just going to forget about me. And keep in mind, I live by myself. So, and I live in Arkansas by myself. So I have no family here. And the first probably month after everyone left, one of my friends stayed with me. And granted, she was on call at night, mm-hmm. but I never knew if she wasn't here. Um, but just knowing that someone else was in my house was really helpful. You don't have to entertain me. Just being present was helpful. Also, I think it was immediately the weekend after the funeral, one of my friends called and said, Hey, we're going to a dinner theater and you're coming Mm -hmm. with us. I can't tell you what the dinner was. I can't tell you what the conversation was, but I can tell you where we were sitting and how it felt to not Mm -hmm. be alone. And, just they tried to, again, normalize my life. I remember the first church service that I was back at our church. We tend to go down front during praise and worship. And Haley looked at me and she was like, come on, you have to go down front. And I didn't want to. <laughs> I wanted to stay in my seat because, of, you know, you're feeling heavy and you just don't want to do anything. And she was like, no, you can't get complacent. You have to, You have to come down front. Like, she wasn't ugly about it. She wasn't really stern about it. It was just come down here because you have to start being normal at mm-hmm. church with God. And really, if she hadn't have done that, I probably, it would have been easy for me just to stay in my seat mm-hmm. forever. I think another thing is just listening. And one thing that has been helpful through the years is when I want to talk about my mom, you just let mm-hmm. me talk. Whenever I want to cry. You just let me cry. Or, you know, they really, they've just been a support in that way. In knowing that it, it's ongoing. So, like, one year, I think it was a Mother's Day, one of my friends, it was actually, again, Haley, texted me. And she was like, I'm just thinking of you today. She said her grandmother had lost her mom years and years ago, but was really struggling that day. And she was like, I know that it's never going to end, as, you know, that there will still be days mm-hmm. like today and that are hard. And so I guess one thing that we do to honor my mom is, or that I do, is on Mother's Day, there are several of my coworkers, colleagues that have lost their, their moms. And so instead of going to lunch with, other people and are coming home and <laughs> being by myself. Um, we do, we call it our mothers are mm-hmm. in heaven and we go to lunch together or brunch, whichever works out. But, and then we can talk about our moms or, or not, but that's one way that we, that's how we celebrate mother's mm-hmm. day now is going out together with people who understand where we are. I also celebrate my mom's birthday every year, usually with, something that was a favorite of hers. So 
I think the first year, one of my friends came over and made a homemade German mm. chocolate cake. I made, well, we did them in cupcakes, and then I gave them to some friends, and we celebrated mm. my mom. So I'll, usually I'll do that, like, with her favorite snack or dessert or something like that. I always try to celebrate her birthday that way. And then just trying to keep her traditions alive as far as holidays and what she would have done. I like I like to do that because she was very particular about her <laughs> holidays. But um, <laughs> And then just trying to pass that down to my nieces, too, is important. Too. Well, that's really cool. I think that's some creative ways of, like you said, I mean, I hadn't ever thought about it in that way that you just mentioned that, like, this is always going to be part of your story now. Yeah. Every Mother's Day will always have this tinge and, and her birthday will always come around every year. And it, it's good to have some positive ways of, of honoring and remembering and honoring your own grief without, you know, giving yourself over to despair. Right. Well, and I mean, one of the things that I still struggle with is all of the missed opportunities to celebrate with her. So, for example, the most recent thing was I passed my national interpreter certification. And she was the person who really pushed me to go to school and further my education and become a professional. And she was the first person that I wanted mm -hmm. to tell, but I couldn't. And so I feel like, you know, there all of your future successes and celebrations are bittersweet and painted with, you know, a little bit of grief. And, but at the same time, thankfully that day, my mentor, my research mentor sent me a text and said, your mom would have been so Aww. proud of you. And just someone else recognizing her and like what she would have thought about my recent success was wonderful because I know that. So, you know, those kinds of things are definitely helpful. Just like, because not only I keep her alive in my heart, but when other people keep her alive for me too, that that's really helpful. I love that. In the years since you've lost your mom, there've been a lot of other changes in your family. And I don't want to get into anything that's too personal, but I do know that you've walked through some more changes. Your your father has remarried and that has brought along with it its own set of challenges as it always does when families change and people come into a family. But you told me a story the last time that we chatted that I just, I want to include here because it was one of the most profound things I've ever heard. Like I have thought about it multiple times since. So would you just talk to me a little bit about how that went down and how you reacted to the situation and the way that you made a plan to help yourself move forward in confidence into this new relationship? So, I mean, we always knew that my dad would remarry <laughs> um, <laughs> after my, it was just days after my mom passed away. I sat down with him because I was scared of him remarrying too quickly. And I asked him to wait a year. I didn't want to go to a family Christmas and see someone sitting in my mom's place without having had gone through that holiday or that time of the year and have grieved her, grieved that loss mm -hmm. yet. And my brothers agreed with me and my dad, my, my dad honored that he, I think it was 14 months <laughs> actually <laughs> when he first started talking to his wife, his new wife. And, um, it was really hard for me. Again, I am single. I'm in my thirties. I've never been married. And one of the things that I struggled with, and I still, honestly, I still do. Why did God care more about my dad's loneliness than mine? Mm. And I still feel that way. I mean, he's been remarried for, I think, almost three years. I don't know how long it's been. <laughs> um, and so, like, in the beginning and still today, I struggle with that. Like, it's been almost five years since my mom's been gone. And I've gone through that by myself as far as without a helpmate. Mm -hmm. And... So I struggled with that, and also someone had actually pulled me aside and said some very negative things about the situation, 
and I was scared, honestly. Mm-hmm. I was scared that I was going to lose my dad. I had already lost my mom, and I thought that because of what this person said, I thought that I would that he would get remarried and I would never see him again. Mm-hmm. In through the course of all this, like I was very upset, and I talked with my dad's brother. Oh no, my dad's sister-in-law, and I said, okay. I have to have some peace of mind about this. And so the first thing that we did was I told them, I said, I'm going on the Daniels fast, which if you know anything about that, that's like 40 days of basically clean eating and that's vegan. (laughs) And my aunt said, okay, well, your uncle and I are going to do this with you. And they did. They, they, I mean, they had their own prayer requests, I'm sure too, but they supported me through that and really I started feeling better by the time that was over. Kathy, my dad's wife, this is her first marriage. And so in order to try to understand her, her perspective, I called one of my friends who was older when she got married and older, like, I don't know, thirties, forties, my age, (laughs) Um, but she married someone who had been married before and had children. And so she was the person that most, closely represented Kathy's point of view. Mm. And I really care about this person. To one of my really good friends, I would probably die for her. Um, so I called her and I, was, I just asked her, what was it like for you marrying someone who had children? And if there is there anything that you could change or that you would have wanted from his children? His, uh, they were adult children as well. Is there anything that you wish that his daughter would have done? Hmm. And so we talked about it for a while. And because, like, she was very sensitive to this situation. And seeing and hearing her response really helped me to gain perspective. Because I was able to take someone that I care about and put them in a place of someone that I had never met. Mm. And it really helped me to be more open and understanding of possibly Kathy's perspective of it. But (laughs) it really did help for me to put a face of someone that I already loved and cared about onto Kathy's face, I guess, to, um, be more sensitive to her perspective and and it not that it necessarily made it easier but it made it more real to me I guess Mm -hmm. in that Mm -hmm. I wasn't willing to hurt her yeah I felt like too if I didn't if I hurt Kathy then essentially I would hurt my friend too because it was almost like I felt like I did wouldn't have respected her experiences as well I don't know if that really makes sense but it makes sense to me. Yeah, it makes so much sense. And I just, when you told me this, like I said, the last time that we spoke in person, you told me this story. I, it just struck me so hard, Caitlin, that, I mean, this applies in every situation. When we are approaching someone that we don't understand their perspective, and maybe it's a situation that's fraught like this, you know, with, with grief and change and fear, instead of giving into those things in yourself, you said, no, I'm going to go seek out a way that I can understand this perspective of this person that I don't know, that I'm legitimately afraid of in some ways that she's going to disrupt my family, take my father away, that kind of thing. If we could do that in our approach to people in our lives, whether it's family members or coworkers or our neighbors people that don't look like us, people that don't believe like us. It's so easy to take someone we don't know and say, like, maybe we have a little bit of information about them and to make this huge caricature in our mind and allow ourselves to feel negative things about them based on what we imagine. When if we would actually try to see things from their perspective, I don't mean to be dramatic, but I think it would solve a whole lot of problems in the world (laughs) if we could all try to do that a little bit in our lives. Right. Well, and during that Daniel's fast, people, people, random people started coming up to me and saying really nice things about Kathy, how 
wonderful she was and that she was a very kind person and it was unsolicited and I felt like at a time when people could really pounce on and be negative and try to discourage me they did the opposite and said nice things about her and that really helped I have to say that she has been wonderful to our family and it's really been a good thing for me even more than I could have imagined. She, because she was older when she got married for the first time, she understands where I'm at. So I am thankful for that. And like, she's never tried to keep my dad from us and never, even like when my dad was in the hospital, she really left the decisions up to us. She gave her opinion of what she preferred, but then said, you're his children, it's up to you. And you don't hear of that very mm-hmm. often. And so she really could have taken advantage of that and did not at all. And so I'm like, if he's going to be married, I'm glad it's her. So I have to <laughs> put that out there for the world to know that while I did have a lot of negative feelings in the beginning, it wasn't necessarily towards her. It was a battle within myself. Right. Mm. <laughs> well, I, I just really love that. And I know that when we walk through grief, it feels like sometimes that nothing good is ever going to come out of it. And like we've said, you're always going to have this place in your heart that belongs to your mom and is, is going to ache from time to time. But I'm so glad that the Lord has brought you guys out into a place of allowing some good to come. And, and, and I know that he's been a sustainer and strength for all of you through all of this. Is there something that you know about God now that you didn't know before you lost your mom? Yes. (laughs) We're taught as Christians to not question God. And I I know that there is the scripture about the clay talking to the potter. And a lot of times people take that as we can't ask why. We can't complain. We Mm -hmm. just need to be thankful. And that's what I went into grief. I went into grief with that mindset. And that's not at all how it is. Mm. I can't tell you how many times I've questioned God and asked him why. Not that I get an answer. Right. (laughs) But I want to point out that Jesus told us to come to him as little children. And children ask a lot of questions. And children, when they hurt, they lay on the floor and throw fits. And I can promise you that I've probably thrown some fits. Mm. And... And then I would use that scripture as my defense. <laughs> Lord, you said that I could come to you as a child, so I'm going to become a child. And I think that he appreciates us being vulnerable to him like that. I think that there's this concept of God that it's all reverence all the time. But God is our King of Kings and Lord of Lords, yes. God is our Father, no. He wants us to be his child and be comfortable talking to him. And, you know... I did get a lot of people saying, you can't question God through this. Don't start questioning God. But then think about when Jesus was on the cross, some of his last words were, why have you forsaken me? Mm -hmm. And so when we're saying you can't ask God a question out out of hurt and pain, whether it's physical, mental, emotional, whatever kind of hurt you experience, that's saying that you have to be stronger than Jesus himself. Mm. and I know that I'm not stronger than him. Mm -hmm. And so we set this expectation up of don't ask questions, just deal with it almost. And that's not the way God intended for it it to be. And I think his example on the cross, like if he didn't die for any other reason than for me to understand that it's okay to ask, why have you forsaken me? Mm. Like, God does not expect us to be stronger than him. He said when we are weak, he is strong. Mm. He will carry us. And to me, whenever I'm pouring out those emotions and becoming like a child, talking to my father, that is me saying, carry me, comfort me. I know that there are people listening who have gone through grief and probably even recent grief. Do you have any other words for someone who's walking through the loss of a loved one right now? I will say that for the first 10 months of my grief, I felt like I was walking in a daze. And 
wasn't dealing with it was just I piled work on and was working all the time to try to, I guess, distract myself. And eventually, you can't bury grief. I mean, it's going to come out. So I really strongly encourage people who are in a season of grief to seek out a Christian grief counselor. The thing that I appreciated about mine was that she used the Bible to counsel me. Mm-hmm. And she, not only did she tell me when I was, when what I was feeling was okay to feel, she did tell me when I needed to check myself. Mm-hmm. And she had the Bible to back her up on that. So I really encourage people to go through grief counseling. Um, it is a time when you can say what you're feeling that you can't say to anyone else. And they, you can say it to them because they're bound by confidentiality. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, really, that's how I thought of it. That's why I felt okay with it, because she couldn't tell anybody what I was saying because she would lose her license. So if nothing else, just so you can say the things that are on your heart that you could not say to anyone else. Another thing, I would write a lot. So if I was feeling really strong feelings, I would write them down. And then I would tear them up and throw them away because I didn't want anybody Mm -hmm. to see it. But just getting it out. Mm -hmm. Another thing that was really helpful, there is a group called Grief Share. And some places, I know one of the local churches here does Grief Share with people in their church who have lost loved ones. And they do it as a a support group. But Mm -hmm. if you don't have that opportunity, if you go to griefshare.org, Again, that's griefshare.org. You can sign up for daily emails. And I didn't sign up for this until probably 10 months after. But I always try to suggest to people to sign up for it right away Mm -hmm. because it will walk you through a year's worth of grief. Wow. It It will give you devotionals and approximately where you might be at that at your stage of grief. Um, It gives testimonials of people who have been where you are. It gives scriptures. It's um, definitely scripture-based. And the thing that I appreciated with it was at the end, it had a suggested prayer. And Mm. for some people, when they're going through grief, they may not know what to say in prayer. And I would pray, and my prayers were really just like, okay, God, I'm here. I don't have anything else to say. And so sometimes, not every day, but some days I would get a grief share email and it would have a prayer that resonated with me. And so I would use those words in prayer. Mm -hmm. And it really helped me to stay somewhat connected with God. But the grief share emails are daily emails. So when you wake up in the morning, it's right there already. So I do encourage people to go through that. Um, it was very helpful for me. And then, That's you know, fantastic. just being faithful. I mean, it it's hard to be faithful when you are in grief, I think. I, it was for me. But really, I encourage people who aren't in a state of grief to start a routine now in prayer, reading your Bible, spending time with God, because when it's it, Inevitably, you're probably going to experience it at some point in your life, and you want to already have that relationship with God established because it'll be it'll be part of your routine and your habit, and that helps you to not lose your relationship with Him in the midst of trauma. Yeah, for sure. I appreciate you sharing all of this. I mean, I know this is a very vulnerable and personal topic to talk about, but I know that there are going to be people who hear something in this um, episode that touches them, encourages them, whether they're trying to help someone um, process grief or if they're the one walking through it themselves. So, so many good things that you've said here today. I just, I'm, I'm so grateful to you for sharing. We're going to end the way that we always end. The show is called Good Question. So I like to ask, Caitlin, what is a good question that you're asking lately? So 
This episode has been really heavy, so my question is a lighter question. <laughs> and what I want to know is, do shepherds fall asleep while, ca- while counting their sheep? Hmm. <laughs> we count sheep to go to sleep. Do they fall asleep <laughs> when they're counting their, their sheep? <laughs> well, we will, if anyone <laughs> listening knows a shepherd, um, you can have them reach out to us at Good Question Show on Instagram and they can let us know the answer to Caitlin's question. <laughs> Caitlin, thank you so much for being on today. I, I'm really, I'm really grateful. Thank you for having me. Friends, I hope you'll join me in saying a huge thank you to Caitlin for her willingness to talk about such a tender topic. Grief is so personal, and as she mentioned, Caitlin is a fairly private person in general. So her sharing this part of her heart with us today was such a generous gift. Thank you, my friend. I hope you heard something you can take away from this conversation, whether you're walking through grief yourself or if you're trying to support a friend or loved one through their own journey of loss. There were such great practical suggestions like having a point person to help you handle all the initial offers of assistance and even having a plan in place with your immediate family about how tragic news will be handled and shared. Those could save you so much unneeded stress. I was especially touched by Caitlin's encouragement to take your grief and doubts and questions to God like a child would to a father. He understands grief. He is well acquainted with sorrow and he is ready to hold you and comfort you in your pain. And you know that on the inside, I was standing up and shouting amen when she pointed out that even Jesus asked questions from the cross. We are big fans of questions around here. If you'd like to hear more from Caitlin, you can read some of her writing on grief and other topics as well on her blog, pureheartmemoir.com. She did tell me to warn you that right now, as she's working on her dissertation, blogging has understandably taken a backseat. But while you wait for new content, just read through and catch up on all the great thoughts she's shared over there. That's pureheartmemoir.com, or you can follow her on Instagram at pureheartmemoir. That's going to be it for today. If you were encouraged by this episode, I hope you'll text it to a friend or share it on your own social media. Your shares, ratings, and reviews help more people find the show. I have to give a big shout out and thank you to all our listener supporters. You help make this show happen and we are thankful for you. If you're interested in becoming a listener supporter, you can do so for as little as 99 cents a month at anchor.fm slash jessica-tanderup. Don't forget that dash. You can follow the show on social media. Our Facebook page is Good Question with Jessica Tanderup. And we are on Instagram at Good Question Show. You can also follow me at Jessica Tanderup. That's Jessica T, as in Tuesday, A-N-D-E-R-U-P. You can find all the links for me, the show, our social media accounts, Anchor, as well as Caitlin's blog and the resource she mentioned, griefshare.org, in the show notes. We'll be back here next week with another good question. See y'all then.